0: Hello, today in the Loopcast, I have uh, Andrew from Shea Films. <laughs> Sorry, I probably butchered that, but uh, he is one of the content creators, or the content creator behind one of my favorite series right now on YouTube called Checkmate Lincolnites. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. Um, kind of, there's a few threads going into the show. One is. Uh, this general sort of examination of how do you normalize extremism right so we we have this understanding of why a Klan person believes in the ideology of the Ku Klux Klan or why somebody believes in sort of being a Nazi but one of the kind of problems of our modernity is kind of grappling with this idea of extremist ideas that have been normalized right extremist conspiracy theories that have been normalized And kind of are part of the discourse. And then the second thread going into this is education. So at my day job, as most of you know, I am kind of the our unit's educator. I help bring up younger analysts, you know, really sharpen their technical skills. And then the podcast, again, is educational. We examine ideas, extremist ideas and ideologies. Uh, I have recently re- realized that outside job and podcast, most people don't want to take the phoner pill. Don't, they don't want to hear about reconstruction or um, free men, free soil, or <laughs> uh, about Henry Louis Gates. It, it really just turns out that nobody wants to. Nobody wants to um, have those dry lectures, and so that that problem I have been noodling on. How do you educate, how do you bring knowledge and truth to people, to an audience, to a lay audience that necessarily doesn't, they needed to be entertained as well as educated. So uh, today, Andrew is gonna help me kind of puzzle through those two things, through the lens of Checkmate Lincolnites and being a film producer and kind of focusing on history. So with all that being said, please welcome Andrew. How's it going?
1: Hey, it's going well. Uh i'm andrew rakich i founded uh atun shea films cena atun shea films is the Pronunciation <laughs> invites me on his podcast disrespects me to my face
0: uh, i'm so sorry
1: uh no, no i don't give a shit uh, so, uh but just you know if people want to find it it's atun shea films uh and uh yeah i have a uh, a series called Checkmate Lincolnites, which is about dismantling the lost cause myth of the Confederacy, which if you haven't heard of it, is basically a, a pro-Confederates, um, uh, I guess you could call it a sort of trend of historiography, um, which is, which began in Reconstruction and after the Civil War, uh, spearheaded by ex-Confederates, and then later their children uh, basically to paint the confederate side of the civil war in the best light possible so uh, and i'm sure if you've never heard of the lost cause i'm sure you've definitely heard some of the tenets of it, which is that uh, slavery was not a major cause of the war, that uh, the the uh, United States uh, government at the time was, was tyrannical or that the North was overbearing to the South. And um, you might have even heard that um, uh, Lincoln was a tyrant or that the war was about money or taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have heard that um, uh, that the uh, Union, United States victory in the Civil War, led to uh, the oppressive centralized government we have now, and that uh, that the Confederacy represented a libertarian strain of thought, a Jeffersonian strain of American political thought, that uh, uh, we have not seen again because of their defeat in the Civil War. So essentially, basically, you will um, you will find the uh, the Confederacy uh, whitewashed uh, to the extent where many of their less savory attributes and less savory beliefs are conveniently swept under the rug. Um, and uh, when, in fact, uh, the every historian who knows what they're talking about will agree that the Civil War was fought almost entirely about slavery, the South seceded because they feared that slavery would be abolished. Um, there's a lot of tenants to it. I, I go into a lot of detail in it into in that series, but uh, yeah. So I I, um, I, I believe that uh, Cena invited me onto the podcast not to uh, not not because uh, I'm so cute, but because I have a certain amount of <laughs> of uh, experience dealing with a a very particular brand of of extremist, namely the uh, the the pro Confederate, uh, often very right wing kind.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm a, I think I'm kind of a sucker for an origin story, like uh, like the how and the why somebody comes to a subject, and like, I, I'm just curious, like, you know, how did you come to Checkmate Lincoln Knights? Like, what, what was that sort of decision-making tree? Did you just kind of say, like, hey, I'm going to, you know, go after the lost cause, or, like, I almost feel like you had a union outfit and then like a Confederate outfit and you were like, i got to make this work. Um, but what, in your own sort of telling, what is what is the origin for Checkmate Lincolnites? Like, yeah, know, well,
1: I, I just had a bunch of those costumes lying around and I have for decades, you know? So, um, uh, I mean, a lot of those costumes I I either got just in high school for like little movies that I made in the backyard or Halloween or whatever the fuck. Uh, oh, can I say fuck? Okay. Uh, yeah, so, you're, you're free
0: to curse.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so, you know, I just had him around. And then, and then in the summer of 2013, I was a living historian um, at uh, Gettysburg National Military Park uh, for the 150th anniversary. And so I got a bunch of uh, stuff for that too. So I just had a bunch of civil war stuff lying around. Uh, so I did not really decide to... You know, Checkmate Lincolnites didn't start as a series. It started as a one-off thing that was just a comments response video. And that's basically what, uh, for those of you who don't know, that's what Checkmate Lincolnites is, is it's a comment response series, right? So, so uh, I am best known for my YouTube channel and, and obviously you know, YouTube comment sections are uh, famously uh, disgusting. It's, it's like the uh, uh, stall of a men's room. And uh, so basically, I made a couple of Civil War videos that um, uh, said a couple of things that are pretty uncontroversial in, in uh, mainstream in academia, or really, in, indeed, in the minds of anyone who knows what they're talking about, which is that the you know, Confederate States of America seceded to preserve slavery, and, and uh, um, white supremacy was a huge deal, and, and these people were very committed to preserving it, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And a lot of people got very, very angry with me. And so I thought it would be funny. uh, And this was, and my channel was small, Uh, you know, as of this recording, I've got like 260,000 subscribers, something like that. Uh, When I, when I made the first Checkmate Lincolnites episode, it was, uh, you know, again, not meant to be an episode. I had like maybe 900 subscribers. Like I was a tiny nothing little channel. And uh, but I got like some hate uh, comments for a video that I made about some local Confederate statues uh, where I live in New Orleans. And so I thought it would be kind of funny if a man in a Bill Compton, fog, foghorn, leghorn accent uh, read some of these insane comments. Uh, and uh, and it was pretty funny. And and I kind of, I guess, sort of corrected some of the misconceptions in those in those early comments. but. Uh, and so then people liked it, and so and and my, as my channel grew, I kept getting hate mail and hate comments. So I figured, oh, you know, since people like it, I'll I'll kind of keep it going. I'll make it a regular thing. Um, as far as going after the lost cause, uh, that was very much premeditated. Basically, um, when I was, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't start making YouTube videos to have a big YouTube channel. Um, uh, Either there are lots of people who do start YouTube channels with that in mind. And, and those YouTube channels are fucking creatively bankrupt, but, um, uh, but, but, you know, so I didn't, I didn't start it with that in mind. I I started it just like to give myself something to do and, and to, uh, um, and to maybe have like, you know, just exercise myself creatively. And, and, and maybe that was sort of like, uh, I was trying to break into, um, Uh, post-production film post-production as an editor and I figured if I had like a little body of work for YouTube that I that were well edited that I might be able to like leverage it to like get a job Uh, so that's kind of what I went in going uh, you know what's sort of what I I went in uh thinking that I was going to get out of Atunche films and uh but basically what I kind of Discovered is when I started doing local history stuff and civ- some Civil War history. I I, I kind of it occurred to me that I that there really wasn't anybody doing that in on YouTube or even sort of publicly who didn't uh, or, or there wasn't any public facing history sort of dismantling the lost cause uh, systematically in a way. There were a couple people doing it, but frankly, they sounded like uh, East Coast assholes um and as soon as you say the word heteronormative you lose 60 percent of your audience so i decided that i didn't want to do that so i thought you know what nobody's really doing this the lost cause is frankly a very easy target um and uh and i figured you know what i could probably uh i think this would be you know something that would be uh, cool to do, you know, that that nobody else is doing. Um, so that's kind of I, I did sort of specifically decide, you know what? I'm going to go after the lost cause. And part of that was my own history with it. I was never a sort of, uh, you know, huge right wing guy or anything. Uh, I was also not from a Confederate uh, uh, descended family. Uh, I did not grow up in the South, though I have made my home here my entire adult life. Um, but I, but I did uh, mostly just kind of through sort of a, um, you know, kind of some sort of, I guess, teenage kind of more sort of libertarian anti-authoritarian beliefs, uh, which I still have, but I kind of mistakenly uh, believed, as many do, that the Confederacy kind of represented, as I said earlier, that kind of Jeffersonian libertarian strain of American thought. Uh, when, but I think, you know, as I've shown in a few of my videos, a close examination of the Confederate worldview examines that, that uh, reveals that's not the case at all. Um, so, but basically that's kind of where I was coming from. So I sort of had, I feel, felt like a little bit of cred because I did actually used to believe a lot of this stuff uh, when I was a teenager and a young adult. So I figured, okay, so I can kind of come at this from a place of understanding. I've kind of been there and I sort of know where a lot of those people are coming from and I'm not going to necessarily, um, uh, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of my critics would would disagree with this, but I, I'm not going to sort of go about it like somebody who's looking down on these people, you know what I mean? Or, or, or who thinks they're dumb. I'm going to just sort of like, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go after this, but I'm going to try to... Um, you know, uh, speak the language of I feel like the people who maybe need to hear it most. Um, uh, and uh, and uh, so I, I didn't want to sort of go about it in a way that was purely advocacy, but there is certainly like I will fully admit that like there is a level of advocacy in the Checkmate Lincolnite series. Like it is like trying to sell you something, right? It is trying to 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 uh, uh, to discredit one uh historiographic view and promote another so uh so that was you know I, I i try to be i try to recognize my own biases as much as possible and i try to be even-handed and 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 uh, you know and relatively neutral within reason. Like, I'm not gonna say like, well, we should teach both sides of the Holocaust or whatever the, the sort of famous you know quote is. Uh, but uh, you know what I mean? But like, I, I do try to sort of go about it in an even handed way, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly, um, uh, but it certainly came from from that space, which was that, you know, this is probably something that could be really useful to people. Uh, and hopefully it is.
0: So as a, as a producer, like, what was the decision? Why focus on the Civil War part of the Lost Cause. I think as as we're, you know, as the Loopcast is kind of ramping up to do shows on Reconstruction, we, you know, you begin to see that strain of the Lost Cause kind of seep into the modern understanding of Reconstruction, right? You, you know, Foner and Dubois, Dubois kind of, you know, they, they're, they're very much pushing back against the lost cause, right? You know, in the propaganda of history, Du Bois is saying, like, you know, the um the Dunning School is literally just taking the lost cause and making it polite. And then a lot of phoners' experience in writing the history of reconstruction is pushing back against the lost cause. Yeah. So in 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 your view, as a producer, and you know, you're writing out the script, you're doing the research, why? You know focus on the civil war and the confederacy part of the lost cause as opposed to its kind of expression during reconstruction was it simply because the civil war everybody's kind of familiar with it it's kind of big and dramatic and ken bernsey or you know what what is the sort of thought process the creative thought process there
1: well you know uh the fat lady hasn't sung yet cena there there's still two more episodes left so you know uh, I won't confirm or deny anything but let's just say that reconstruction might uh, pop up once or twice uh, but I but I I but your point is taken I mean it's it is uh, overwhelmingly the series is focused on this the 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 years of the Civil War right 1860 to 1865 uh, more so than uh, I the seventh episode no the eighth eighth episode is about states rights and that uh, is essentially a an account of the forging of the confederate worldview. So it, it's um uh, it's it's that covers a lot of of American history before the Civil War, right? So pretty much it goes from, from the American Revolution to the eve of of secession, and it kind of and it charts the confederate worldview and how it developed. Uh, um, now the lost cause, the development of the lost cause is sort of another separate, uh, uh, issue entirely. And that's very much tied up in reconstruction and Jim Crow and beyond, you know, going into the 20th century, going into film history, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it wasn't necessarily a conscious choice to just purely focus on the civil war, but also, uh, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, your point is well taken, but it, it, it's also kind of, Another thing to kind of keep in mind about just what Checkmate Lincolnites ends up being, and this was kind of more true in the earlier rather than the later episodes, which are a lot more focused, but the uh, a big factor in, in what episodes I made, the topics of the episodes, was the comments that I got, right? It was sort of like if I kind of saw a strain of comments about like, well, you know, the Confederacy might have seceded for slavery, but nobody other than the really rich plantation owners cared about it. And if I get a bunch of those comments, then I'll be like, okay, well, that's not true. Like uh, a lot of normal people, um, uh, white southerners, uh, even sort of rank and file poor yeoman farmers uh, who were drafted as privates and corporals and grunts in the Confederate Army, like these uh, a lot of these people were very deeply, uh, invested in the preservation of slavery and and mo- even more importantly, um, the white supremacy and the social order uh, and the social stability that slavery represented as an institution. And so I could make an episode about that, you know, or a lot of people saying, you know, that Sherman raped and murdered uh, more people than, you know, Hitler and Genghis Khan combined. And, you obviously that's nonsense, but there's also kind of some truth to that, right? So like, you know, Sherman was not a good guy. So like how, let's explore that, you know? So, um, so that was kind of more sort of what dictated it, I guess. But, uh, if, you know, if, Hey, if I could do it over again, and if I knew ahead of time that I had, you know, a limited series to, to, uh, discredit the entire lost cause, I probably would have gone about it a bit differently. I probably would have had, uh, at least one or two more uh, more reconstruction focused episodes. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't even know uh, that it was going to be a series at first, right? So, uh, um, you know, and, and that kind of goes into the, the film producer part too, which you mentioned is, you know, a lot of those, a lot of just shows, whether they be on, you know, TV or YouTube or fictional or documentary, they kind of like Usually take a couple episodes or maybe even a couple seasons to like find their feet, you know, and and to kind of like figure out what they are. And that was very much the case with 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 Checkmate too. Was it? Um, uh, so yeah, I, I would probably go about it a little bit differently and and talk a lot more about reconstruction because you're right. I mean, it is. And forgive me if I'm putting words into your mouth, Cena, but uh, it is kind of a very forgotten element, right? It's it's a it's a part of American history that we'd all kind of rather forget. Because it was so awful because it was so um, it, it really laid bare all of the uh, the issues that led to the Civil War and, and that uh, and that pervaded the Civil War all these messy horrible racial issues and and the fallout from the abolition of slavery like it wasn't it wasn't an easy transition right uh, the birth of freedom uh, the labor of, was long <laughs> of the birth of freedom right um, so uh so yeah it, it's definitely a a a uh i've i have a buddy who calls it intentionally induced amnesia and that's very much the case with reconstruction
0: uh so yeah i mean i think that's your your series does kind of fights back against that amnesia because i think for me like the the hour long show on the debate of states rights like was it about state's rights or was it about slavery? And what kind of like really took me back was that the confederate, like, it almost seems like when you're going through like AP history, that it seems like the confederacy kind of just materialized, right? It just kind of happened, right? We're going to, you know, create this governmental order to protect slavery, but then you kind of in in checkmate, you kind of dig through their, their own words and their own kind of documents and, and their own kind of conceptions and I was like huh right like you you kind of tackle the problem of intentional amnesia with their own words and it's yeah. it's kind of this it was just so fascinating to me that like like yeah like the fighting back of amnesia and the fighting back of kind of the erasure of the confederacy's own ideology and its own thinking was kind of fascinating to me
1: yeah, no, for sure. Well, uh, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, this stuff was very long coming. I mean, for, you know, nearly a century. I mean, shit, more than a century. You know, going back to the 17th century, going back to the, the early colonial period, you know, the Confederacy did not come out of nowhere. And, and you know, and and looking back and examining the history of Southern slavery and the history of the federal government's um, you know, sort of complicity in slavery and 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 its support of the institution. It's it's really no wonder that the country fell apart for the reasons it did and when it did. Basically, when a president who was widely believed to be abolitionist, even though he wasn't, um, was elected. Right, that that would be enough to um, to dissolve the union. It, yeah, it's it's. In retrospect, it's it's really not surprising at all, um, and and oftentimes this idea that uh, while this was certainly the case on on an individual basis and in in some cases, the idea that the South kind of reluctantly parted from the Union because they just couldn't go the way that, that it was going is uh, is nonsense. Like they they enthusiastically seceded uh, because of a deep uh, and as it turned out. Uh, You know, kind of justified fear that uh, um, that that the central, you know, that 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 the the greatest law of the land, that the federal government was going to turn hard against slavery, and and start uh, telling rather than asking. Uh, So, you know. it's yeah, I mean, the, the development of the Confederate worldview is, is fascinating. I mean, this stuff goes back, you know, I mean, the Mexican War is something that I didn't really touch on in that episode that I wish I had. But, you know, it's kind of like, how long did we want that video to be? You know, uh, it was already an hour. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff, you know, Andrew Jackson was an enormous part of and Jacksonian democracy, an enormous part of the Confederate worldview. And specifically, it's it's white supremacy. Um, and how that was understood in the context of limited government. Um, Yeah, no, that's that I think is is very, very uh, interesting stuff. There's a lot of protein there as far as understanding the Confederates and where they were coming from and the political tradition that they came from.
0: Yeah. I think um, for me, your video series really got me thinking about kind of the idea of anti-slavery versus abolition. And the reason I bring that up is because when thinking about extremism, like it's really easy to say, okay, white supremacy in, in its form, in any form is an extremist, right? And we can say the Confederacy is clearly an extremist government. It wouldn't, you know, you don't have to twist yourself up in knots to kind of make that argument. And then I started thinking about, well, Lincoln, he wasn't this like, he wasn't this John Brown level abolitionist. He could be categorized as anti-slavery. Yeah. And then I started thinking, okay, how do I divide anti-slavery versus abolition? And then that became kind of this other avenue of historical exploration, like, oh, right. Even even the belief that you know we agree with anti-slavery exists on a spectrum historically on the spectrum of you know a reasonable position versus. John Brown, yeah, I right. mean, even like we can't, I mean, John Brown is kind of, people see him as a hero, but. Um,
1: yeah, but they sure as shit didn't back then. I mean, right. it, it's, uh, uh, well, many didn't, um, uh, but as the Civil War progressed, they did, because, you know, the, the, the amount of bloodshed the Civil War, you know, caused was, uh, uh, I mean, John Brown was a drop in the bucket compared to that. But I mean, yeah, the, the difference between an anti-slavery, uh, somebody who was anti-slavery and somebody who was an abolitionist was the difference between, uh, somebody who does meatless Mondays every once in a while, and a animal liberation front terrorist who, you know, blows up the offices of Tyson Chicken. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's the difference. It's it's uh, it's a matter of degrees and and of extremity. And and while abolitionists weren't, you know, we kind of we we think of them today as the good guys, and I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, and talking broad strokes, obviously, the Individuals involved in the abolitionist movements, uh, a lot of the prominent ones were quite problematic themselves in many ways. Uh, you know, uh, whether it be their anti-Semitism or uh, some of their anti-Catholicism, or you know, um, uh, or just plain racism. Right? It was just uh, they, they, they maybe um, you know even some of the abolitionists uh, who were as anti-slavery as they came still didn't think that you know black people were were uh, on the level of white people. They just didn't, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly, I mean, talk about extremism, like those people were extreme, uh, for their time, the reformers, you know, the, uh, the naysayers, the people who wouldn't go along, uh, and, and the, yeah, anti-slavery was in many ways, a, 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 a position that, uh, that a, apologized for the practice and, in a lot of ways and, and certainly regarded the, feelings and the economic prosperity of the, the the prosperity and the dignity of slave owners to be of greater importance than the immediate welfare of their slaves. So uh put that you pipe and fucking smoke it. Uh I don't know. But uh yeah I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about. Uh yeah how how I mean I'm I'm very glad that we've that we have come as far as we have.
0: Well I mean I, I bring it up because the loss, like, it it seems like the abolitionist movement kind of evolves, you know, goes, you know, they pass the 13th, 14th, 15th amendment, then it kind of drops off, you know, until the civil rights movement, right, until the the 50s, the 60s, until you have this kind of, kind of ticking of the abolition movement of its natural kind of evolution, and, you know, having it express itself as the civil rights, equal rights uh, movement, but yet, the lost cause kept on persisting like I, like i i was such i'm such at a loss like why like part of me is like oh there's always going to be reactionary white people there's always going to be white folks that take issue with the liberation and political empowerment of blacks but then I, you know the historian in me was like that's too simple right the persistent like why the lost cause persists through the through today through 2022 when you're you as a producer, answering the comment section in your videos, like straight up lost causes. But, like, w- why is the lost cause such a persistent myth, in your view? Uh, you or, know, so, I, or, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think it,
1: it's necessarily is that surprising. I mean, I mean, first of all, the the men and women who propagated the lost cause after the Civil War were uh, very effective uh, advocates and activists. Um, You had groups like the United Confederate Veterans, who would later kind of evolve uh, in a roundabout way to the Sons of Confederate Veterans, who are still active today. The United Daughters of the Confederacy is another famous um, group that is still around today, although their influence is greatly diminished. Um, These were uh, veterans organizations that um, were not only about commemoration, but they were about propagation of what they saw as the, the, the true, uh, the truth of history, uh, what they would have viewed as the southern side of history. Now, this is an important distinction to be made this is a mistake that, um, that, that, that a lot of people, um, you know, are, a lot of people make this mistake, which is the Lost Cause is not simply the southern side of, of history, um, there is a big difference between a historical misconception and a historical perspective right so like again kind of going with the idea of like of of uh i mean this is this is a bit of a crude comparison uh and and certainly an obvious one but you know kind of what i was saying earlier um with that meme you see a lot which is you know let's teach both sides of the holocaust you know um uh, which is sort of kind of used to make fun of people who are so obsessed with Uh, including every perspective that they include, just these, they just irresponsibly include these very uh, uh, hateful ones, right? So, like, and that's very much the case of this, is that, like, you can't, like, there is not a legitimate side to history of the Holocaust that is, you know, well, there was this international Jewish cabal, and they had to be, you know, something needed to be done about them, like, that's not a legitimate interpretation of history, right? That is, like, false, that, that was not going on. Um, So, if you wanted to tell the story of the Holocaust from the national socialist point of view, you would basically say, well, they thought this and they, they, they uh, you know, but it wouldn't make them, even if it was from their point of view, they wouldn't seem any less monstrous. And, and that is unfortunately the case with the Confederacy as well, right? Like saying, well, they just cared about their, their liberty and they didn't want to be unfairly taxed and they just wanted states' rights. Like that's not, that, that's not what happened, right? That is like factually incorrect. It, it is demonstrably wrong. Um, they seceded because they wanted to keep slavery. And they said so often and loudly. Uh, so if you were to tell the, and and this is often a big part of what I do, and especially kind of my non-Checkmate Lincolnites related videos, especially about sort of Confederate figures or or, or movements, I often say like, well, you know, they did this because they wanted to uphold the system of white supremacy or whatever. And, and that is their side of the story, right? That was their motivation admitted self-admittedly their motivation, right? So you can tell their side of the story, that's fine, but like, they're still not gonna come out well by our modern standards. So that kind of makes the lost cause necessary, right? In order to commemorate them. Um, and so in that, in that and, and the lost cause has evolved to keep step with modern uh, morality. Right. So and, and the changing customs and mores of American culture, because at first the lost cause was not uh, did not deny that uh, slavery had played a part in the Civil War, but it apologized for slavery. Right. It said no slavery was good, actually. And then within a decade or two after the war, people stopped, st- started saying, well, no, slavery had very little to do with it. Or they'll say, well, yeah, I mean, the issue on the surface might have been slavery, but there was so much else that, that you know, that, that the South just couldn't submit to, you know, that it would have been uh, dishonorable for them to submit to. And then, and so at that point, slavery was done. Um, the slaves had been freed and the world hadn't fallen apart, and in fact, once Jim Crow and legal segregation came around, especially uh, after uh, 1894 and the Plessy versus Ferguson, um, a lot of white Southerners, either former Confederates or their children, uh, came to accept segregation as a effective substitute for slavery as a tool to control the black underclass. So at that point, because the world didn't fall apart and because actually the white South kind of didn't, it turned out pretty well, right? Like it didn't, it, it, it was economically devastated, but socially they were able to maintain a, an equilibrium. And uh, so, yeah, what kind of started off as a uh, as a as a method to sort of save face and to and to uh, improve their legacy kind of turned into political advocacy, namely for white supremacist causes. I mean the. Um, uh, United Daughters of the Confederacy, in particular, was very um, insistent on getting uh, southern histories and southern schools um, often written by ex-Confederates that were pretty shamelessly biased toward them um, and that painted them in a great light, so right, so this kind of all helped them maintain that kind of cultural um, uh, equilibrium and that social equilibrium that maintained white supremacy. and uh, so going into the 20th century, right, like then the Lost Cause kind of changed again. It changed with the civil rights movement, you know, and, and after it became socially irresponsible to uh, just be openly racist in most quarters, um, the Lost Cause that you saw started to see things like the black Confederate myth, which we talked about on Checking Lincolnites, uh, drawing a lot from the uh, research of this guy named Kevin Levin, uh, who, who wrote a great book on the topic called Searching for Black Confederates, uh, among others. And um, uh, so, yeah, and then the Black Confederate thing, basically it, 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 that I'm sure probably many people who listening have heard it, that it's, it's, it basically maintains that Black people fought in the Confederate army and white Southerners and Black Southerners fought side by side. Uh, nothing of the case happened except in very isolated instances, as far as we can tell, when camp slaves Picked up guns in extreme circumstances, right? Um, so, yeah, so, so, uh, so, yeah, that kind of has another element to it, right? Where it's like the Black Confederate thing, originating as it did mostly in the 1970s, was basically uh, an idea to get the Confederacy right on re- race relations retrospectively, right? So it was like the North didn't care about Black people, we did. Um, and you know you see that today. I mean, there's uh, the Sons of Confederate Veterans has a um, promotional video uh, that uh, is on YouTube that um, shows like a bunch of members of the organization, and a, a a rabbi is very prominently portrayed. You know, look at us. We can't be racist. We have a Jewish guy. Uh, you know that <laughs> that's very much a part of it um, nowadays, right? Is 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 you know because increasingly and more and more so especially now in, in the 2020s now that open racism is becoming uh deeply socially unacceptable there they've they've found other ways to uh to get the confederacy right on it and so that basically has its adaptability has contributed to its
0: staying power so something that i, I kind of find interesting is kind of the cult of personality that occurs in the Lost Cause, for instance, the veneration of Lee, the veneration of Stonewall Jackson, and then kind of the editing of history of ignoring James Longstreet. I think uh, the book I have somewhere in my pile, um, (laughs) it's about him during reconstruction um, being in, I think it's in Louisiana, New Orleans, where he's the head of a militia, fighting against white supremacists but um that's besides the point Um
1: uh, no that that very much is the point
0: oh okay i uh, mean no, in, in that's, terms that's of the, like the lost cause they just edited him out like he's he's not there like you just kind of have to like where's Longstreet? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. well he <laughs> you know, he is i mean well they they he is but he's but he's a pariah um you know he he's um there's a there's a great book uh by Charles Reagan Wilson, I think is the author's name, um, called Baptized in Blood, which examines the lost cause for, through a religious lens and, um, and, and makes a pretty convincing argument that, um, that the way that, uh, that the catechisms, rituals, and ceremonies of post-war uh, Confederate uh, commemoration those those uh, it it had a very explicitly religious, dogmatic uh, tenor to it, and and you had figures like you said, venerated like Lee and Jackson. Lee having you know being this kind of like perfect angelic form with no faults, and maybe he's he's seen as the perfect Christian man. Uh, he's very much Christ figure. Uh, Jackson as kind of the the sort of uh, uh, wild eyed warrior um is is very much uh, like Moses uh, and Longstreet is is like Judas you know he's he's the betrayer he's he's the, the scalawag the one who wouldn't uh, uh who gave Lee up and, and betrayed Lee uh which to be fair he totally did <laughs> uh you know by basically publicly insulting him uh Longstreet wasn't a terribly um uh tactful guy Uh, and, um, and he criticized Lee publicly after the war, uh, and he was right in his criticisms, but, um, uh, but he was pretty tactless in the way that he went about it. And he opened himself up to a lot of criticism from people like Jubal Early and William Nelson Pendleton, who were, uh, former Confederate officers, uh, high-level Confederate officers who went on to become historians, uh, who savaged him mercilessly in print, uh, and, um, so uh yeah so so you know there's there's um so he's very much kind of the judas but anyway so he basically uh became a republican after the civil war of course back then um the democrats were the racist ones (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh, the republicans were the slightly less racist ones and uh so he became a Republican, he he, he uh, had been a very good friend of Ulysses S. Grant uh, before the war and after Grant became president. Uh, he maintained that friendship and and um, and took a government post, I believe he was the customs, the head of, uh, he was in charge of customs in, in the port of New Orleans and New Orleans was a very important port back then so it was a, it was a big job. But uh, basically he was a government worker here in New Orleans and um, in 1874, when the gubernatorial election of 1872 was contested, there was a big battle here in the street, basically when ex-Confederates forming a white supremacist paramilitary group called the White League uh, tried to take over the, uh, and briefly succeeded in in taking over the state government by force. You know, they, like, 3000 of them came down the street with guns and killed a bunch of people and fought the police with guns uh, and stormed the state house. We were the capital of Louisiana back then. Uh, so basically, Longstreet led the, um, the, the, the police force uh, that, that fought them, right? So, uh, and that did not win him any friends in the South. Uh, so, so yeah, he wasn't edited out, but he was uh, he was reviled. And a lot of his actual achievements during the Civil War were either downplayed or conveniently ignored or, you know, and, and, and a lot of things were pinned on him, most famously, the losing of the Battle of Gettysburg, uh, that were not really his fault at all, um, or at least, you know, partially his fault, kind of. Uh, but he got he caught a lot of shit for it that he did not deserve. Um, uh, interestingly, though, even as he was getting savaged by lost cause historians and by former Confederate officers, uh, the rank and file Confederate uh, soldiers who were, you know, fucking not Republican, uh, they were very anti-Reconstructionist, uh, but, but, but they still, uh, even their, with their political differences, the, his, his men, like his, his common soldiers who had fought under him uh, still loved him and they loved him until he died. So uh, that's, I always thought that was very interesting little tidbit that you know even though he was this huge pariah uh he was still like warmly welcomed at a lot of veterans events um uh it was just kind of the the, it, it was kind of the the upper echelon right sort of uh the the cronies of lee and the evangelists of the lost cause who who gave Longstreet an awful reputation that has endured in a huge way like uh a lot of this stuff was most through most of the 20th century. Um, even like well done Civil War histories were very anti Longstreet, <laughs> um, and and it was all of fabrications, right? It was all just like lies and distortions.
0: So I want to maybe uh, switch footing from the lost cause to checkmate lincolnites and specifically the character of johnny reb and w- what i really like about this is that um it, i didn't realize it like initially when i when i was listening to your to the series i would listen i would listen to it in the car and i would never actually look at the screen i would just a fucking be, break in my heart dude <laughs> i would be driving right and you know, then,
1: I, I put so much effort the lighting <laughs> The uh, costume the, design, the I put so much effort into the cinematography,
0: the second I, I, run through and,
1: and then motherfuckers like Cena
0: <laughs>
1: listen to it in a fucking car. Jesus Christ.
0: but uh, then upon the second uh <laughs> second run through of Checkmate Lincoln Nights, I I realized that the Johnny Reb character, his lines were you weren't writing them, they were actually real comments. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: in terms of you engaging the audience, like, I mean, can you talk about that a bit? Like the 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 formation of Johnny Reb and sort of, you know, is he kind of a stand-in for the audience, a stand-in for the comment section? Like, how how do we think about his character?
1: Yeah, well, it's I mean, it's it's a very old format, right? It's a dialogue. It's it's Socratic, right? I mean, uh, this is a. Um, I mean, I I, trust me. I'm aware of how pretentious this sounds, but uh, here's a little secret: I went to art school. Um, uh, But you know, but it's uh, I'm a pretentious guy. Fuck it, I own it. Um, But it's it's a Socratic dialogue, right? This is an ancient form of education, right? It is it is an ancient form of of that all sorts of shit has been uh, framed in, and and that's what it is, right? It's it's a framing device. Uh, A lot of people um, call Checkmate Lincolnites like a debate series. It is not a debate series, right? It is, it is a, um, uh, and a lot of, uh, very, uh, galaxy-brained individuals, uh, like to call Johnny Reb a straw man, uh, referring to a, a common, um, a fallacy uh logical fallacy where basically in order to defeat an argument you misrepresent its points right so you're knocking down a straw man uh johnny reb is not a straw man and the fact that it, it's that the uh materials presented in a dialogue has nothing to do with that uh it, right it's just comments response and also I don't think I am misrepresenting their argument. Like people who say that are always like, oh, you know, he's like, if, if only I were there in the room with him, I would be able to like tell him what's what. It's like, all right, man, like, please uh, direct me to, the, uh, to this cogent, intelligent, and well-sourced defense of the lost cause. Like, cause uh, I've looked all over and I ain't fucking find it. Uh, I ain't fucking found it, right? Seriously, there's just no, like, this is what these people believe, right? This is not, like, a crazy uh, caricature. It is not, like, a... These are their words, and the way that I present it is not, like, that far-fetched, right? I I don't, like, put my thumb on the scale. Um, This is what... This is the stuff that's widely believed, right? Um, So... Uh, basically, it, 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 it's a it's a dialogue, and and Johnny Reb uh, is so it's a counter response video, right? So like it is a I could, um, you know I, I could do the same series with just me on camera, reading comments off my phone and responding to them, right? But that just wouldn't be as much fun. Uh, so I do it the way that I do it. Um, so basically, uh, kind of I guess uh, rather famously in in famously in our little niche in our little world um uh Johnny Reb has undergone a bit of a metamorphosis uh he used to be uh just a fucking piece of shit <laughs> and uh a huge racist and and a gigantic asshole uh he's still an asshole but uh, I'm more of a lovable one now uh he's he's portrayed a bit more as a uh, as uh, he's a bit more buffoonish uh, right he's he's not a bad guy he just uh um, uh, has some wrong ideas, uh, that the character of Billy Yank then sort of corrects. Uh, and I think this is, and I kind of made this change because this is a much more accurate portrayal of, of a lot of people who believe the stuff, right? They're not, uh, monsters. They're, they're not, uh, I mean, most of them aren't even that racist, uh, considering the sort of racially charged Uh, and politically charged kind of subject matter, right? Um, They just have been taught this stuff their whole lives. Maybe they have an ideological dog in the fight, right? Like I said, I mean, a lot of people come to the lost cause through libertarianism. Uh, There's a bit of a pipeline there uh, where people have a healthy distrust of the government. So they look to American history and they find uh, the only instance where people actually semi-successfully rebelled against the government um and they kind of fetishize it a little bit uh, or they kind of pick and choose the bits of the confederate philosophy that kind of fit into that while forgetting that if you weren't like a white male how unbelievably awful this uh, a christian white male i should say how unbelievably awful the system would have been for you uh so yeah so so he represents that right he's he's uh johnny reb is is a uh is everybody's drunk uncle he's everybody's you know um libertarian dad or whatever uh so uh and, and you know he's not he's not an idiot he's just a bit of a fool uh if that makes sense
0: absolutely and i mean what i like about it where like really kind of has put me on the Checkmate Lincolnites hype train is that so much of our historical education is, as, as you kind of pointed out, is just like somebody at the, at the lectern lecturing, right? You, like YouTube, you can go on YouTube right now and, you know, go through 20 hours of phoner, of blight, of, you know, gates right you can literally give yourself a graduate level education in reconstruction in the lost cause but
1: yeah it's awesome
0: yeah but like none of them are responding they're they're not like arguing or discussing right there it's always even even with like henry lewis gates who's very much you know he's very engaging he's very much he understands media it's still like it's always through his prism through his lens he's never he's never in conversation and in argument whereas like with the character of Johnny Reb I think I think it's just so cool how you're just kind of you know setting it up and you're in discussion with him I mean obviously if for the audience that's listening to the podcast it's played by you but it's you know you as Johnny Reb but you know, in, in terms of historical education and, and educating and making a point, you know, was that kind of why you had the Johnny Reb character or or was it just like, you know, I want to play a Southerner, this like goofball, you know, foghorn, leghorn type of guy. And I think it would just be a fun character to play. Like what was sort of the educational and the sort of communication yeah. aspect of it?
1: Um, I mean, so, I mean, that's kind of... Uh... I feel like that's my whole uh, shtick, in a big way. Is is kind of the entertainment and education. I mean, I think I I think I I may be at least I hope I do. I hope to and I try and I attempt to deliver a higher quality of, of and more kind of like advanced level of information for the format in which I do it, which is quite sort of infotainmenty. Um, uh, you know, I mean my stuff is is I try to keep it as up to date as possible I draw from uh, and there's a bit of a learning curve on this but you know these days I draw almost exclusively from academic sources and if they're not academic then then I at least try to I at least make sure that they are in fact reputable uh, um, so you know it, it, it's uh you know so yeah so that's Uh, I guess the thing with Johnny Reb is, uh, I guess to go back to your point, um, is so I played a character very much like that in, uh, when I, uh, worked at Gettysburg. Right. So, so, uh, just to, to clarify, and I think you might've said at the beginning that I was a reenactor. Now that's not entirely true. um, you know, reenacting is when it's a hobby and you get your gear and you go out on the weekends and you do battle reenactments and stuff like that, or you do living history events. Like I I did not do that, but I was a living historian kind of tour guide person, which basically meant that I was an actor, right? I I performed, I did this sort of theatrical kind of performance thing and it was a bit lame, but it was fun. Uh, At least when me and my buddy did it, we, we, we made it pretty fun. Uh, where we would basically play soldiers from the civil war and we'd take you know you and your kids and your grandma across the battlefield and talk about what happened to us and a lot of times we'd draw from you know actual uh sources and 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 diaries of the battle and all that kind of stuff Uh, and and you know obviously i wasn't really talking about anything too controversial Uh, a lot of it was just oh my god how brave those soldiers they were so brave um but uh but you know i did it wasn't as exaggerated as the one in checkmate lincolnites but i did a very old-timey southern accent and you know and 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 my buddy and i who uh who uh i did that job with you know we would just be like yeah fucking get an ice cream and be like i have the rocky road you know and and shit like that and uh, and then we'd go by General Pickett's buffet by the McDonald's in Gettysburg and say, but General Pickett, what do you see? I see a place where I will one day have a buffet named in my honor where there will be creamed corn. Like, you know, we kind of played it for laughs and shit just for ourselves, but, you know, and we were like in character a lot, you know, so, uh, and it was just fun doing the Southern accent and doing kind of that, you know, uh, like there are these civil war movies, uh, directed by this guy named Ron Maxwell called, uh, Gettysburg and gods and generals and and Gettysburg is pretty good uh gods and generals is not very good but um it uh but it has a lot of that kind of stuff in it of these very very uh, very sincere southern generals talking about all the men who have died and how awful it is to be at war and you know and it's just like fucking stupid and silly and ridiculous and just so overwrought and sentimental but that was kind of like a funny kind of thing to like joke around with with my buddy you know and then so when I did Check checkmate lincolnites I, I fell very easily into that that kind of a character because like we had just gone around gettysburg you know smoking doobies uh and talking to each other in that voice you know so um so yeah that that was that was very easy um uh yeah I mean I think for the uh as far as like the entertainment aspect of it I mean yeah I think like you know, just a little bit of chocolate helps the, helps the pill go down. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, a lot of academics, uh, do not have, you know, I mean, look like when academics are writing, uh, are are writing history, they're writing for each other, right. Uh, they're writing to impress each other. They're not writing for the public. Uh, not most of them. Um, and, uh, so and if they are, they're like more concerned what their colleagues will think than what the public will think. Like they, you know, they're a fucking caddy bunch, historians, right? And they and and you know, and you said, well, you know, sort of some of the people like Eric Foner doesn't like respond to anybody, like maybe not directly, and maybe not like in a lecture publicly, but like in books, fuck yeah, he does like, you know, and in a super bitchy way too, like historians will be like, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Like this lady is wrong. Like this lady, you know, her sources are out of date. Like she's reliant on this source, which is like compromised because, you know, they're they're constantly ripping each other to pieces. And so when you are, and, and that's good, right? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like that's just how, history works, right? That's peer review is, is you're supposed to kind of try to poke holes in, in, uh, in other historians, especially historians have come before you in order to come to a more complete understanding of the event. Now, I'm not going to say that no historian has ever kind of gone after somebody else for uh, personal gain or for career advancement, like that definitely happens, but ultimately, right, it's like science, right? You like challenge previously held assumptions in order to come to more accurate conclusions, or to make breakthroughs in your field, right? It's the same principle. Um, so I, I will say they like do they definitely respond to each other, and they definitely uh, are in kind of debate and in conversation and in uh, they respond to each other, right? But like, but yeah, I mean, you, your point is very well taken, just in the idea that like a lot of this stuff just is not terribly palatable for normal people. Uh, and so, and that's a big part of what I do, uh, like a lot of, I mean, sometimes in my videos, I'll kind of sort of stick my toe into the, the water a little bit and, and, and kind of venture a, a hypothesis that is my own and that is not, you know, and, and just say, well, here's kind of my take, here's what I think, um, here's my interpretation and, and my analysis of this. But specifically for Checkmate Lincolnites, because it's so popular and because also, the ground has been covered so thoroughly and so well by other historians like Eric Voner, like Gary Gallagher, you know, um, uh, that I don't, you know, the, I, I'm pretty conservative in Checkmate Lincolnites, right? I stick pretty tightly to modern academic consensus. Uh, very little of what I've said, um, you know, uh, Charles Royster and Gary Gallagher and all those guys haven't said, but, Uh, But it is the presentation right like that's the whole idea is that is that the presentation is uh, is is modern the presentation is comedic. Uh, It's, you know, it, it, I, I hope it, you know, it has sort of little in jokes for people who are obsessed with the Civil War. And who know a lot about it, but also you could go into it knowing nothing about the Civil War, maybe even vaguely heard. Oh yeah, I kind of heard the Civil War was fought over state, states' rights and slavery, but and I knew there was a debate about that, but I wasn't quite sure about it. You could like watch it, and and you could be like get a lot out of it. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's what I strive to do. Hopefully, with a lot of my stuff is just like deliver high quality information better than most infotainment does, which let's face it is very shoddily produced uh, and often just thrown together to make a buck. Million YouTube channels like that um, uh, that are just summaries of Wikipedia articles uh, with fucking cartoon balls or whatever the fuck. Um, you know, so basically what I try to do is I try to do the entertaining thing and make people laugh or make people, you know, cry or whatever. Uh, I want to emotionally engage them, but I also want to deliver high quality information. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and hopefully I do that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I hope that answers your question. No. before we started, you were like, so we don't cut out rambling. I hope you're okay with
0: that. <laughs> um, like,
1: Oh what the fuck. Just going on for five minutes about nothing.
0: No, it's okay. Like, I think, I think you're kind of I'm not downplaying, but I think like entertainment really plays a strong role in how we understand history, because right now I'm digging into, uh, the emergence of the second clan in the beginning of the 20th century. And then a lot of historians, they point to, you know, the birth of the second clan was based on birth of a nation by D.W. Griffin. Okay. What is birth of a nation about? Well, it's about reconstruction and it's like, huh. So his, his kind of four hour slog fest about reconstruction is what kind of fueled the resurgence of the second clan. And then I think about, my previous readings with Foner and with Du Bois, right? And they're writing hundreds of pages, dense history of pushing back, right? Pushing back against the lost cause, against the Dunning school. And in, in some ways, you know, they're only writing, Foner is kind of, his, his first audience is fellow historians. His second audience is the public. Du Bois, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even have a resurgence until the 60s and 70s until yeah. you know pretty much at the end of his life yeah so so i'm kind of curious like when you as a director as a producer as a historian sit back and think about the value of entertainment and history how do you conceptualize that like is it do we need like a ken Burnsing of reconstruction do we need like how, how do we sort of you know bring history to the masses in, in in sort of a good and informative sort of way
1: yeah well i mean uh i mean yeah i'm i'm trying my best but i'll get back to you uh, <laughs> uh yeah I, I guess i'll get back to you on that guy I, I i don't i'm i'm do i'm giving my best shot but i don't know even what i'm doing is is working uh so um you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> so as far as like Birth of a Nation, though, I mean, that's very true. I mean, uh, I, and, you know, I mentioned the, the film Gettysburg, you know, which uh, spawned a whole generation of Civil War reenactors uh, who to this day at public events um, uh, will teach a version of Civil War history more inspired by the movie than by evidence. And um, so there's a and, and there remains uh, a, which hopefully, you know, checkmate Lincolnites helps bridge the gap in it's kind of small limited way, but, uh, but there remains a pretty substantial disconnect between academic consensus, which has been the academic consensus for as long as I've been alive. Um, and the perception of the public at large and the perception of the, you know, you can't see me, but I'm doing huge fucking air quotes, experts, civil war experts, civil war buffs, who are, you know, your fucking dad at a barbecue, who, uh, you know, he's a great guy, I'm sure, but your dad doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Like, truly, he, he your dad is kind of a fucking moron and doesn't know the first thing about the Civil War. He just doesn't. Uh, he's very sweet, I'm sure he's a great guy, but uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, so, you know, he's seen three movies and read a couple books that are wildly out of date. Uh, and you know, and 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 that goes for the Ken Burns thing as well. Now the, the Ken Burns, the Ken Burns documentary isn't bad, but it is, uh, you know, over reliant on uh, Shelby Foote, uh, whose understanding of the Civil War was dated. Uh, he, you know, he's not the worst offender of Civil War historiography by any means, but uh, his his he was a storyteller and a novelist, not a historian, and though he knew quite a bit about many aspects of the civil war, he, uh, his historiography was out of date by the nineties when that movie was made. So, uh, um, you know, it, it, remains a, a pretty flawed sort of understanding. And, and yeah, a lot of these, you know, Gettysburg, birth of a nation, uh, gods and generals, uh, uh, Gone with the Wind, my God, Gone with the Wind, uh, Ken Burns' the Civil War, lots of this stuff had a profound underst- uh, impact on on people's understanding of the Civil War. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you said kind of from the perspective of a filmmaker, sort of, you know, uh, 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 yeah, kind of what I thought about that. And yeah, I mean, that's that's 100% true. I mean, these things had a huge impact on just popular understanding in pop culture um and uh yeah i mean a lot of this stuff kind of remains to be undone the damage remains to be undone and uh yeah i mean birth of the nation uh is kind of the cardinal example of that you know first blockbuster huge ideological impact that that threw the united states back you know arguably generations you know uh Although I think it was kind of a perfect storm, right? Sort of, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson was kind of the eye of that storm, and Birth of a Nation was one of its, uh, you know, uh, many sort of bands uh, standing out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this stuff has a huge impact. And uh, hopefully, uh, again, hopefully in its small, limited way, Checkmate Lincolnites also has an impact in that regard uh, to kind of course correct uh, away from all this baggage and this madness. Um, of the Lost Cause.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I think we, we, we've come to the fun part of the show. So um, the, this part of the show is kind of inspired by, during a and A, somebody asked Eric Foner, uh, what did he think of Team of Rivals, the movie? And then he was like, it's okay. And then somebody asked, uh, compared to Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer. And he was like, you know, they're kind of both the same. They're both kind of works of fiction. I like Am- Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer a little more. So they got us thinking. Um, and we got lucky when you agreed to be on the show. We said, you know, Andrew is this esteemed filmmaker. He has a lot of experience, you know, writing know scripts, <laughs> writing scripts, producing. So what we want to do for this next part of the show is i want to pitch you some his you know some movies series uh based on history okay and so uh here we go so have you you know hamilton right the musical
1: yeah
0: okay Okay. uh and and then you're aware of the wu-tang clan uh biopic on hulu uh, or the nwa biopic that came out uh, a few years ago yeah um, so, in my first pitch to you is Reconstruction, the hip-hop musical. So, it, it's about the passage of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, and it focuses on Charles Sumner, uh, Thaddy Stevens, and then Limon, uh, Lyman Turnbull. So, it would be uh, Thad, the Chad, Chucky Sums, and L, the Big Bull, and and it would be Kind of very much in the style of Hamilton, uh where it would be there would be hip-hop, but about the passage of the 13th, 14th, 15th and 15th.
1: Well, moments. you know, the, the trouble with that is that I've seen that movie. It's called Lincoln, it was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, <laughs> and you're just adding hip-hop to it. So if you're gonna <laughs> I think I legitimately think that like that's that like a rec- hip-hop musical about reconstruction. Uh, and I'm—I know you're kind of joking around, but I'm not. It, it would oh, either be the most tasteless, awful thing ever, and the most <laughs> horrible bullshit, uh, <laughs> just like offensive on every level, or it would be the fucking dopest, most poignant thing you've ever seen. That would win cooler surprise prizes. And but the thing is, you couldn't make it about Thaddeus Stevens or any of those pasty old white guys. It would have to be about black people in alabama or something it would have to okay. be about like a farm a family on a farm who got 40 oh. acres and a mule okay, and so, it's just about them and so and it, it, over it the course be... of their lives and and they have awful lives and it ends in horrible tragedy <laughs> oh my god and 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 you know at the end you know and uh, and you know <laughs> like the, the young daughter who's like four years old uh when in the 1870s when uh when when the uh, stuff thing has taken place you know then it flashes to her in like the 50s and like some white dude is still making her give up her seat you know and and uh, uh, and she's an old lady and she's still being horribly abused and it would have to just have no hope whatsoever and just be like the most depressing shit you've ever seen that would win a Pulitzer Prize
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really just hoping for a Hamilton style because well I, uh... <laughs> Welcome to my brain. Uh, (laughs) No, 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 that's I mean, that's good, because the reason I mentioned Hamilton is because like um, a lot of my my normie non-history white friends are into Hamilton. I I think to myself, man, you know, what a great way to educate people, drop a hip hop album and and make a little money, a little money as the kids. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Um, it'll Uh, always be uh, the poor man's 1776.
0: (laughs) um okay uh my second pitch okay so uh in in one of your streams you talked about how you kind of liked prey right the predator movie uh with the comanche with the comanche the the young lady who kills the the predator thing uh yeah it
1: was pretty good it was fun
0: so i want to pitch prey 2 it's set during reconstruction uh so (laughs) oh it's gonna get it, it gets so much worse uh it's so the movie opens up with Grant and Sherman versus the Predator, then Grant Sherman get... the, the the predator versus the clan. And then yeah, the I was movie...
1: gonna say that's obvious that's obviously where it would have to go. Yeah.
0: And then the movie ends with Grant and Sherman versus the Predator again. So so
1: no, they would have to respect each other at the end. They would be like they'd be looking at each other from across the field and the predator would just like, nod. Thumbs and, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. They would have to be on the same side at the end and work together. I, I, I do think the Predator versus uh, the Clan would be pretty awesome, and uh, and it would, uh, you know, and and the Predator would be a good guy, like uh, he was in Alien versus Predator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think Alien versus the Clan might be <laughs> a little bit more fun, though. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but honestly, I, I don't. I don't hate that idea um yeah i actually i don't like that idea at all i do think i i don't think grant and sherman should be in it i think it should be i think it should just be like the uh the clan and and just it's just a slasher movie right it's literally just like (laughs) how it's fun and we're waiting for the next kill so we can all cheer uh and it's just clansmen dying in unspeakable ways um just like super over the top gore, that's that's the one context you can you can get away with that kind of gore. Uh, it's is killing Klansmen is if it's a Klansman, uh, <laughs> and then you can rip his penis off, uh, and you get a G rating um, <laughs> because uh, families need to see it. <laughs> that's what America um, needs is G rated uh, castration of
0: Klansmen. <laughs> um, so my third pitch. Um which is just as cringy and tasteless as the first two. Okay. Um, have you heard of the movie *Inglorious Bastards? Yes, I have. And and you know Harriet Tubman? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tubman. Um, so it's her leading the, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, the Com- Combahee River Raid?
1: Combahee? I, I, I don't know how it's pronounced either.
0: <laughs> so... It, it would be that, but it's kind of like Inglorious Bastards where she, she's like chomping on a cigar and she's like, you owe me a hundred Confederate scouts or or whatever. Like, I, I haven't really scripted this out. I, th- <laughs> I, I I thought it would just be kind of cool to, you know, just have Harriet Tubman in a, a spy action movie, you know, I think.
1: That would be pretty badass i i think honestly i think i there is a movie like that and it's not django it's uh there's a, a movie called you know Harriet or something It came out I didn't fucking see it it looked fucking stupid, but like it was uh but it's it's kind of a feel good like watch racist get shot type of movie uh, it came out like three years ago or something where Harriet Tubman is like hot and you know shotgun uh Uh, But it kind of built itself. I mean, it just looked very, you know, it it, it looked kind of silly, but like it did, it did like uh, market itself as like this, you know, super meaningful, like, important movie about like important issues. And like Harriet Tubman was just like a supermodel with a fucking like AK, you know what I mean? It's just like, not an AK, but like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a scene with her and a Gatling gun, you know. <laughs> like, it was It was just, like, action movie schlock, but, like, you know, the incredible true story. Um, so I'm pretty sure there is a movie kind of like that. I think, honestly, I think... Uh, uh, I think Harriet Tubman... I mean, Harriet Tubman was fucking badass, and uh, mm-hmm. she was awesome, and I don't want to take anything away from Harriet Tubman here, but I do think that there are, like other black abolitionists who should maybe get a little more love uh in the movies and just in history uh Mm -hmm. that uh you know who who were just like unrepentantly violent from the start and (laughs) and and just like we're just like i'm just gonna fucking like if somebody like after the fugitive slave act like the people who were just like i'm just gonna if they come after me i'm just gonna fucking like open fire you know uh yeah that shit was cool uh i want to see a little more of that um
0: I mean, I think oh my yeah no I'm not muted. Um, I think there is an audience for that. I think like uh, I think it was Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hunt, Ethan.
1: Oh yeah, Ethan Hawke did a John Brown.
0: Thing. Yeah, he and the show ended up kind of being like the book and the show are kind of goofy and funny. Like it, it, it's just weird. Like like they portray John Brown as kind of funny, but he's like this hyper violent dude. But he's like yeah. haha. Um, then we I mean you could always team up like historical figures with the Predator and then uh <laughs> You could always do that. Always <laughs> I, I I think prey just kind of opened the door for me for uh weird uh cringy thoughts about like predator in, in various historical settings. I don't think
1: I don't think it's ch- cringy. I don't think it's cringy at all. I I think it's <laughs> I think it's cool. Um so uh no, I mean you know, yeah, I, I think uh I think that'd be cool. I mean, I think like, I, I do really like sort of historical sci-fi and horror. Um, that does kind of tickle, uh, tickle me in, in, in a special place. Uh, yeah. That, that shit is fun. I I really like that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I mean, I would, uh, I would give you pitches, but I, but you know, God willing, maybe I'll make some of my pitches one day and, and I don't want to necessarily, you know, uh, just have it out there in the world, but uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I love that kind of shit, and of I've, I've, you know, I like I regularly write fucking what if vampires were in the Revolutionary War uh, type of shit all the time, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, and it's good and it's awesome. Um, I mean, you know, my favorite movie is Ravenous, so you know that should that kind of says it all.
0: That's awesome. Um, so we've we've covered a lot today we didn't really talk
1: about extreme like modern extremists we just kind of talked about like people who died 150 years ago but i mean you know clearly you're fascinated by reconstruction and it's your podcast so we could talk about whatever but
0: i don't know i I mean i I
1: thought not 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 it's not a criticism of anything but i guess i thought we were going to talk more about like the chuds in my comment section but we talked about interesting stuff i mean i hope people well I, I
0: (laughs) i mean to to your point like i just uh like so many, so many people don't want to engage with history. Like I find that on Twitter, that it's, it's so ahistorical. It's almost goofy. Like you, you'll have like,
1: like yeah, it's anti- meme history, right? It's it's yeah. it's history and a meme.
0: Yeah. So you'll have like anti-Trump Republicans, like ah, the Republican Party has never been this racist. And then you're like, hey, remember that time the Klan supported Barry Goldwater? States' rights. Yeah. And then yeah. they just you know, remember that time that Pat Buchanan wrote that white nationalist book? Um, That was in 1992. And it just, you know, I I think like my own attitude became like, I don't, I don't want to focus on, like, I want to, I want to go back into the roots and kind of look at the roots and think about like, you know, how do we as millennials kind of tackle the lost cause? Or how do we you know, bring the deep history and the deep lore to an audience that, you know, might have missed it, like, like reconstruction, like I I have found out that, you know, besides AP history, and maybe some graduate courses, not a lot of people, not a lot of people get exposed to, you know, Eric Foner's treatment of reconstruction. And then especially, they never get exposed to free soil free men, sort of the, oh, yeah, the ideology going into the Civil War, like, yeah. like your, um, your 50 minutes on states rights that that video was, in my view is close to perfection, in the sense of,
1: it's not perfect, close to perfection, <laughs> close to, per- I thought uh, you said you were a fan,
0: uh, not enough predators, there wasn't like, uh, any, yes. it, if, if you had thrown in a predator, um, but like the idea of showing that, you know, ideology isn't just something that just comes up in five years, it's yeah. something that took 30 years. And it's like this legal discussion that you you keep seeing again and again, over and over again, you keep seeing the repetition of states' rights, right? And it's like, yeah. you know, the libertarians of the 60s, 50s and 60s are saying, you know, can't have fe- a federal statute for civil rights. Why? States' rights, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. it's, and then you kind of trace that back and it's like, well, you know, all these guys, in the eighteen forties and eighteen fifties, were kind of making almost, you know, not the exact same argument, but kind of, you know, reaching for that sort of theme of yeah. of, of states' rights. So,
1: well, yeah, it was like the, the government shouldn't uh, tell me to not be shitty. Yeah, or, or you know, the, the right, my right to infringe on. The rights of people that we all consider subhuman shouldn't be interfered by the government, you know, or, or that I consider subhuman or whatever, right? So, like, that's, that's the whole thing, is right? It's, and that's kind of the, the unfortunate sort of part of, of that whole train of thought about states' rights is that, like, you know, on paper, right, it's a great idea. Um, and uh, it's just kind of where it comes, yeah, where it's like there's this fixation on, like, well, the federal government can't do anything. You know, and, and uh, uh, you know, even, like, help dismantle uh, deeply backwards and themselves, like, authoritarian laws and traditions, right? Like, it, it's, it's the whole thing, let me put it another way. So, it's, like, it's fine if the authoritarianism is local, <laughs> you know what I mean? but as soon as it becomes national, then it's a giant fucking problem. Uh, so, you know, so yeah, it's 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 the thing about states' rights, what it's almost always been, like despite its origins, which were largely innocuous, uh, what it's almost always been in practice is the government can't tell me to not be authoritarian to my own community and like, govern it the way that I want. And oftentimes that took either uh, ra- sexist or racist or you know, otherwise kind of uh, uh, xenophobic sort of applications. Right?
0: But, uh, I mean, I think that's, even that is kind of a lie, isn't it? Because like, e- e- even if we go back and say like slavery was largely designed to be a local institution, right? Like Alabama, Mississippi can have slavery but Massachusetts won't, but at the same time like a lot of, if I, if I'm understanding the history correctly, please you know throw tomatoes if I get it wrong. A lot of them demanded that, you know, there would be federal enforcement of slavery. So like the oh, Fugitive yeah, Slave yeah. Act, the the Fugitive Slave Clause of the Constitution, and then I want to say three or four different sort of oh yeah, fugitive no, no, slaves. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, you're absolutely right. No, it's that's that's the thing is that it like it was only. Um... Is that that's you know the, the pro-slavery South co-opted and appropriated the libertarian South and and basically took their political traditions and their talking points and twisted it to be to defend slavery and and white supremacy and that's kind of what it became entirely about um, and and yeah like like the vast majority of Confederates uh, especially but not by any means exclusively in the Deep South were. Uh, uh, couldn't have fucking cared less about states, right? It's true. They, like, could not have fucking cared less. Uh, it, was, it was just a smokescreen in order to push slavery. Let's keep slavery. Let's expand slavery. Slavery makes us rich. We need to keep slavery, right? It's just, that's what it was, was, like, slavery, we can't get rid of slavery. It's too profitable. That, that is just it. Uh, so any excuse, any political talking point that's going to support that, that's going to strike anti-slavery measures down in courts or is going to foible abolitionist activism or whatever, you know what I mean? Or, or foil, I should say, whatever, like they will say anything. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right that, that it was in many ways, just kind of a smokescreen to, to cover up their true goal, which was to make fuckloads of money, Cena. so much money. They were so wealthy and they made so much fucking money. Um, and that's what it was all about, right? People often, in fact, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, lost causers will, will say, uh, they'll tell me, you know, no, the civil war, it was all about money. It was all about control. Of course, they mean that it was about the North hanging on to the South because the South was profitable and they wanted more control and they wanted to expand their empire. But no, it was in fact about the planter class and their sense of and their profit margin and their control over their underclass, over their lower, their untouchable caste, um, which uh, they believed to relinquish that control would not only obviously lose their profits, which can never happen, imagine if we if we didn't make if we stopped making our shitloads of money, uh, but also would lead to apocalypse would lead to uh, what DW. Griffith portrayed in Birth of a Nation, which is miscegenation and and uh, black men raping white women and, uh, and 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 Nat Turner all over again, right but a thousand times worse. Uh, so yeah, it's a very interesting. I mean you know I, I really love getting in the mind of these, of these these uh, these these twisted little fuckers, uh, I, I do find it very fascinating. Um, uh, their 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 point of view and, and their perspective on things, uh, because yeah, I mean, in many ways, it, it is obviously like completely backwards by uh, to our modern sensibilities. But uh, but yeah, it's still like pretty
0: fascinating, you know. I mean, it really feels like like when I when I read your comments, like. There are people in your comments that I feel like believe the lost cause or something. Like I, I can't put my finger on it because it's not straight up trolling. It's not like straight up, haha, Andy, you're wrong. Read a book. Oh, yeah. There's but true it, believers, yeah. yeah. There's like true awesome. believers. And then yeah, awesome. yeah. It, it, it's like, I always wondered like how much, if you believe in something like the lost cause, like how much editing you have to do, right? You throw out long street you throw out the first clan during reconstruction you throw out you know the fact that the planter class this was a war of the planter class of them kind of saying you know we need to secure that bag so what if you know hundreds of thousands of people die or whatever but like is there is there an element of belief like like oh, yeah. is it is like belief supersedes his, like facts
1: well, all of our, I mean, all of our understanding of history, everybody's understanding of everything is selective, right? Like we can't all be experts on everything. We can't all digest every single source. And a lot of it is like, we're told a certain thing when we're young or we read a certain book that confirms our biases or whatever. And that's just kind of what we think, right? And that's, and we believe, and people believe what they want to believe, right? It's, it's not, you know, I mean, the human capacity for cognitive dissonance is astounding and uh you know th- my enemies and the idiots in my comment section have it uh, i mean you know and not all of them are idiots like i said i should watch my word carefully a lot of them are but like you know like i said you know johnny reb is the way he is for a reason right a lot of the people who who believe in the lost cause are just genuinely misinformed and they're good people um uh, but anyway, you know, people in my comment section, you, me, like, we all have things that we're cognitively dissonant about, that we, that, that we heard something that confirmed our biases, so that's what we believe, and we don't know if it's fucking true. We have no idea, right? I mean, you know, I'm sure the things that if we, a lot of that stuff that we just like, oh, well, that's the way it is, or like, just that's the natural order of things, or, well, that's what I've heard all my life. If we just dug into it a little bit, we would find, oh, no, this stuff is like, monstrously wrong um truly like monstrously right and and uh and and you know and our grandchildren will probably uh recoil in horror at a lot of the shit that we are just like oh yeah well that's totally that's just the way it is right um so yeah the cognitive dissonance is strong and so i I don't think it's 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 remarkable or or even uncommon for people to uh completely throw out uh inconvenient truths that don't mesh with their worldview or whatever and you know hey everybody does this and and you know there's blame on all sides you know i mean you mentioned sort of bad history on twitter i mean there's a shitload i mean there's a lot of uh uh, you know twitter is of course famously a very left-leaning uh place and while i don't think that historical misinformation on the left side of the spectrum is is by leaps and bounds anywhere near as big of a problem as it is on the right side of the spectrum it's fucking out there like there's some fucking like very well-meaning mormons uh who again will like retweet a fucking meme um that like is you know that that feels very acab or whatever the fuck you know what i mean or that's that's like this inspiring story of this woman a hundred years ago, or this, you know, or, or this person who fought the slave owners or whatever the fuck Django shit that like has no bearing on reality. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, so I guess my point is that like, we are all cognitively dissonant about some things, many of us cognitively dissonant about many things. And, uh, so we should not be surprised that, uh, so many people out there don't fucking know what they're talking about because frankly, nobody does, uh, yeah we're all fucking
0: idiots (laughs) and Um, and,
1: you know apes with keyboards you know what i'm saying
0: right i mean speaking of memes like uh i have a, a little project going on um where i i want to take reconstruction and meme stream to main mainstream it so like I'm, I'm sure you're aware of like the Sherman meme with the laser eyes or yes. uh, the John Brown meme shirt, like a, a billion dead Confederates. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I've been trying to get like Daddy Stevens and, and Charles Sumner on a t-shirt. And then, and then I've, I've, I've quickly found out that in fact, um, you can't really easily explain like Abolitionist politics, or the thirteen, or the formation of the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth elements. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm not like I don't consider myself a, a talented communicator in that respect. Because I will, <laughs> I mean, I, I swear to God, I will literally uh, take a copy of Eric Foner's Reconstruction, go to a bar, and like Foner pill people, like just explain <laughs> to them, like. <laughs> Like you like you like reconstruction? I, I see you have a an anti-fascist pin. Let's talk about the original anti-fascist. Um <laughs> which it, it actually turns out that uh, a lot of people um, in their twenties and thirties, millennials, zoomers, whatever, don't they just they're not into the 800 page uh, tomes. You know, no. I I even pitch it like you can, no, you can do not. curls, you can do lifts, like you could you get swallow, you know, while you're uh, yeah. yeah uh you know making your brain big um, <laughs> just, um yeah so that's why uh that that is if you're ever curious that is part of the origin story of the loop cast where mm. i needed a, a platform or a medium where i could talk at length for two hours about uh dense <laughs> dense subjects uh right. like like hour and a half on the turner diaries why not sure. um sure <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway i'm sorry so no, no, uh it's awesome um so for for my very last question we Mm -hmm. usually have the legendary last question which is uh give me and the audience before we adjourn for the night something to think about so this can uh be a phrase be a sentence it could be a tangent it could be whatever you want it to be but it's something for me and the audience to kind of to think about as we adjourn for the night
1: uh it can be anything.
0: I mean yeah, it can be anything. It could, it could be a plug, it could be a a phrase, it could be I have um,
1: this has nothing to do with anything. It, yeah, I, it can it
0: could be whatever you I, want.
1: but it's it's something that I've been thinking about. So um Cena, do you ever find cockroaches in your house?
0: Um no, I live on a, a side of a mountain, so like nothing lives up here, unfortunately.
1: Gotcha. So, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you. I would just say, anybody listening, uh, the cockroach when you wake, let's say you wake up in the middle of the night, you go to your kitchen to get a glass of water, you flip on the light, and you see a cockroach skittering away under your sink or you know, just fleeing the light. Maybe it was feeding on your dog food, maybe it was. You know looking through your trash or something or you you know you 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 open your trash can and there's a, a roach and it just kind of like goes in right uh statistically speaking it is very likely that that cockroach came from a cemetery uh in the very recent future so next time and this isn't just cockroaches they are some of the biggest offenders but uh but there are all sorts of other bugs right if you live within you know, a mile of a cemetery. The bugs that you see in your house at night came from there. And uh, they've got a belly full of formaldehyde and human meat. And uh, they're going to leave their droppings all around your kitchen, all around your house. And uh, let's say that they crawl on your spoons, your utensils, you know, the, the surfaces that you cook on maybe they even uh, go for a little ride on your toothbrush those cockroaches uh, they came from a grave so that's just something i was thinking about today so i hope well, everyone sleeps well tonight
0: uh thank you for that spooky ending that was uh very spooky um that was andrew from i'm gonna pronounce i'm gonna try to pronounce this a Atun
1: Shea
0: films uh we will have a link to his YouTube channel uh and uh I will have we'll have links to some of our favorite uh, checkmate Lincolnites episodes uh thank you so much for uh being on the show
1: yeah so just so uh uh just so I could do some uh, sh- if I could do some shameless self-promotion oh that. no no go ahead. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, please check out my, my channel. Um, there's all sorts of, uh, creepy cockroach content. Um, I've have a uh, checkmate looking nights, what I'm best known for, but I do a number of other, I don't even think, I mean, you know, when I'm just out and about in the world thinking about history or reading books, uh, the check, uh, civil war is maybe, you know, 20% of the, the stuff that I actually think about or the, where my interests lie. I do all sorts of stuff. Uh, I, I I live in New Orleans. I do a lot of local history. I'm from New England. I do a lot of New England history, especially the Puritan period. Um, I've got a couple of other kind of web series type of things. There's one called Witchfinder General, which is about a uh, 17th century Puritan who reacts to modern pop culture and movies and memes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and uh, as you can imagine, he thinks it is quite sinful in fairly amusing ways. And uh And a lot of his dialogue is taken straight from 17th century witch hunting manuals. I've got another web series called Frozen 50s Man, uh, which is a similar vein, which is about a private detective from the 1950s cryogenically frozen and wakes up in the 2020s, partners up with a socialist hipster and they solve crimes. Uh, I also directed a movie called The Sudbury Devil, which um, is a feature film set in uh, 17th century Massachusetts. That uh, is done filming and is in post production. It should be coming out uh, hopefully sometime next year, but we will see. It'll definitely be finished next year, but uh, keep an eye out for keep it, keep your eye out for it uh, and and watch some of the update videos that are on my channel. Uh, I think it is by far the the best thing that I've ever done. So uh, and it's shaping up to be very good. So uh, I hope you check it out. And uh, yeah, Sina, thank you so much for having me. This is a blast.
0: Oh, well, thank you.